Bless the Lord. Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please, to the book of Hosea? The book of Hosea. Uh, one of my favorite Old Testament books. Uh, Hosea, you'll find it. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea should help you to find it. And we're going to go to Hosea chapter 7, please. We're just going to read the first two verses, but please keep your Bible open as we go through this message this evening. Keep it open at the book of Hosea. Chapter 7, verse 1. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. For they commit falsehood and the thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoileth without. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their own doings have beset them about They are before my face. Let us pray. Father, thank you for those you have brought this evening. We pray, O God, that you would again speak to our hearts in the only way that your spirit can. Take your own divine and inspired word. Wing it home. We pray, O God, that you would plant it into the hearts of men and women. Glorify your Son. May he alone be seen. We pray, O God, or this night be over, that someone may be finding themselves coming to the foot of the old rugged cross. Saved by your grace, washed in the blood, kept by your power, sealed unto the day of redemption. To that end, Lord, we Place this word, this man, and this meeting with this people into thine hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of our message this evening is taken from verse 1 of Hosea chapter 7. The Lord says, when I would have healed Israel. Notice, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. When we think of our nation tonight, and we'll look at it more in detail in the word, the state of Israel here. When we think of our nation tonight and other nations of the world, think of the United States and Canada, especially those in the West, if you want, for another word. When we think of how they were founded upon the word of God, upon the laws of God, and now the state that they are in, especially over these last few years, have become worsened. And that which is evil has become good, and that which is good has become evil. And God would bless our people again, bless these nations, the United Kingdom, Ireland. He would bless these islands. He would bless America and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and all of the other nations, if if we would just turn to him again. And I believe that in this message this evening, we're going to see that Ephraim's sin blocked God's blessing. 
the sin, the iniquity of Ephraim blocked the blessing of God. When I would have healed Israel, going to look at it in a second. God says, I was ready to heal. I wonder what he would be ready to do in Britain tonight. When you see Ephraim, you can put Britain there. I wonder what he would be ready to do in Ireland tonight. I wonder what God is ready to do for the blessing, for the good, to move upon the people in this land. But there's a, a sin that is uncovered. And we have found it even more and in a greater way and fashion over these last few years, where that which has been in secret is now out in the open and it is being uncovered. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria. Israel here is mainly spoken of as the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel is separated in 1 Kings chapter 12 into two kingdoms, into two nations, the northern kingdom of the house of Israel and the southern kingdom of the house of Judah. There's two capital cities. Samaria is the capital city in the northern kingdom. And of course, Jerusalem is the capital city in the southern kingdom. And Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom. For example, not all prophets spoke to both kingdoms. We have, for example, the prophet Amos was from the southern kingdom, but went north and spoke to the northern kingdom. Elijah the prophet was to the northern kingdom, not to the south, to the northern kingdom. Elisha, who had the double portion, who came after him, was a prophet to the northern kingdom. And of course, then we have other prophets that would, like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, although mentioning the northern at times, and those prophets to the north mentioning the southern kingdom, but mainly they had their own kingdoms, which God had sent them to, to prophesy unto them, to call them to repentance, to call them back to God. And so here we're speaking of the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten-tribe northern kingdom of Israel. Ephraim, the man, Ephraim was a son of Joseph born in Egypt. And Ephraim had a brother born also to Joseph, and his name was Manasseh. And in Genesis 41, we can read of that. And in verse 52, we're told that Joseph called his second son Ephraim. Because Joseph became fruitful in the land, and hence Ephraim means fruitful, and hence the name Ephraim. In Genesis chapter 48, Jacob, who is now known as Israel, he has his name changed. Jacob blesses both the sons of Joseph, blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. And we're told in Genesis 48 and 19, his seed shall become a multitude of nations. That is Ephraim's seed. So Joseph brings his sons to his father as he's dying. And his father will bless Joseph's sons. And hence, as, jo as uh, Jacob is sitting, the sons would come, and to Jacob's right hand would be Manasseh the elder. To Jacob's left hand would be Ephraim the younger. And hence, the blessing should be thus. Right hand for the firstborn. Pardon me, right hand for the firstborn. I'm trying to do it back to the front for you. Right hand for the firstborn. Left hand for the second. 
But Jacob crosses his hands and makes a multiplication sign. And there he puts the right hand over onto the younger son Ephraim's head. And there he puts the left hand onto Manasseh's head. And he starts to prophesy a blessing. And Joseph, seeing this, goes to move the hands, the right hand to Manasseh's head, the left hand to Ephraim's head. And Jacob says, I know what I'm doing. I'm paraphrasing. And he blesses them like this. And when he's blessing Ephraim in Genesis 48 and 19, it says, his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Jacob said that. Jacob Israel said of Ephraim, his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And yet, and yet, Jacob never seen it come to pass. And yet, Jacob never seen it come to pass. It is also rehearsed in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 21. In Hebrews 11 and verse 21, it says, By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped while leaning upon the top of his staff. Notice Jacob had to have faith that that prophetic word would come to pass because God had given it to him. He had given it to Abraham, now to Isaac, now to Jacob, and Jacob is now giving it unto the sons of Joseph. And hence he crosses his hands. And by faith it says, Jacob when he was a dying. This man was old. This man was dying. This man was weak. And he was in his deathbed. By faith Jacob when he was a dying. Blessed both the sons of Joseph. Crossing his hand and praying. Prophesying over them. And he worshipped while leaning upon the top of his staff. That doesn't mean he was leaning on it and singing psalms unto God or singing a, a chorus unto the Lord. He, he had a staff with notches in it. And being a shepherd and being one who followed flocks and brought herds with them, and, and at certain times what they did was they, they wrote a diary. Did you know that? They actually wrote a diary. And the staff was their diary. And hence something in particular happened. They took out a knife and they made a notch. And something else happened and they made a notch. And that notch reminded them of the happening. Now you think of the notches that are on the staff of Jacob. I remember when I was cheated by Laban for seven years and got the wrong wife. What a notch you'd put in there. Had to work another seven years to get the right wife. And he, he puts a notch in there. And that would remind him as he walked of what happened in his life. I remember when I was uh, lying at Bethel and, and there I used a, a stone for my pillow and seen a staircase going up and down to, to, to heaven. And the angel of the Lord, the Lord coming up and down, ascending and descending upon it. What a notch you would put it. You nearly cut the staff right through for that would be something in particular that drastically happened, something he had never forget in his life. And he put a great big notch in there. I will always remember that. This is my diary. I remember when Esau was coming and, and I, had, I had been a bit cheated Esau a little bit out of his birthright by saying to him, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you give me your birthright. And he puts a notch in there. And I remember Esau was going to kill me, so he puts another notch in there. And he remembers all of these things as he looks at this staff full of notches. But listen, I remember when I wrestled with the angels of the Lord all night, 
And the angel of the Lord changed my name from Jacob to Israel, saying you're a prince or a ruler with God. And what a notch I would put in the staff there. And every time I see that, it reminds me that God appeared to me at Luz in a Bethel. So when Jacob is by faith, he's dying. It says he blessed both the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh with a crossing of the hands, a multiplication sign. And he worshipped while leaning upon the top of his staff. So here's really what it means is, as he prayed and prophesied, the man's going to die, but he's passing down the blessing. And here he's saying, Lord, it may not have happened yet. Mine eye might not see it, but I believe that you have given it to me and you will carry it out. I remember Bethel, and I remember the time with Esau, and I remember the time with Laban, and I remember the cheating, and I remembered when you changed my name to Israel as he looks upon the staff and he starts to worship the Lord and he speaks in faith. And so Hebrews 11 and verse 21 rehearses this for us, and what a great example to all of us. All of us to believe God to do what he has said he would do. Even though you may not see it happen, even though it might not yet be fulfilled, you believe God for what his word has told you. Praying mother, praying father, praying grandparent. You might say, but I've prayed so long and they're still not sealed. I've prayed so much and there's still no turning with them. Listen, you might say, I will go to my grave and they're not going to be saved. Your prayers have been heard by the Lord. You pray on and leave the rest up to God. There's times when we don't see it happen, but God continues it on. Here we find that Ephraim is blessed by the Lord. Jacob has not yet seen it come to pass. But listen to what Isaiah 55 and 11 said. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Lord said that. So when God says something, it cannot come back empty. It cannot come back fruitless. It must come back accomplished. Accomplished. So brothers and sisters, don't give up. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. Don't let your faith wane because you haven't seen it happen there and then, but rather have faith that God will accomplish that which he said he will do. Listen to the old Puritan John Trapp. It is the nature of faith to believe God upon his bare word. It will not be Seth's sense. It cannot be Seth's reason. It both can and will be Seth's faith. For I have a promise for it. For I have a promise for it. And everything in ourselves that says it can't be. Our senses tells us it will not be. Our reasoning, we say it, we say it can't be. And yet faith says it both can and will be, for I have a promise for it. It's time that we learn the promises of God. 
and stood upon it for our families and for our land. Listen to John 20 and verse 29. The words of the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Jesus says there are going to be those who have not yet seen me. And they're going to be blessed because they still believe in me. That's you, brother, new sister. That's me. We haven't seen him, but yet we believe in him. You know, we sing here all the time. I am blessed. I am blessed every day of my life. I am blessed. Do you know why we're blessed? Because we believe in Christ, because Christ has opened our eyes. Come into our lives and he's been our savior and forgiven us of our sins. Of course we're blessed. We're blessed by the remission of our sins. So Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. And the blessing came to pass. But what a blessing to have for you and I tonight who are in Christ, believing in him. See, God said in Genesis 35 and 11 to Jacob, a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, or a nation and a commonwealth of nations will eventually come. That's what it means. And kings shall come out of thy loins. Jacob didn't see the blessing come to pass. He believed God and he prophesied it over Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Joseph. And hence, since we don't see the Lord Jesus, yet we believe in him, you and I are blessed indeed. There was a wee chorus, a wee song, and... I think it was Rebecca has sang it. She's not here this evening, but Rebecca had sang it quite a few times. And it just came to my mind when I was writing this. This is the words of it. Though I have not seen him, my heart knows him well. Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the Lord of heaven. And my eye hasn't seen him, yet my heart knows him well. And if you're a believer... If you're a born-again, blood-washed Christian, you can say the same. And hence, thinking about this, as we go on into about Ephraim, bear with me for a moment, for my heart started to race when I thought of this as I'm writing this. So I wrote down everything I was thinking as quickly as I could, just because it was the way my heart was thinking at this time. This is what I've written. Calvary's cross no longer stands outside the gates or the walls of Jerusalem. The blood of God's Son no longer stains the ground, nor does it redden the soil or sand. I cannot take you to the exact spot or let you see the knotted wood nor hold the rustic nails. They simply are not there. Time has wasted them, covered them, removed them. They have disintegrated throughout the millennia And as the seasons have come and gone, so have all of these. Yet, yet, I believe in what he has done on the cross still stands. I believe Christ died, he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. I believe in the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus. I believe in the power of the blood, in the cleansing of the blood. I believe in the efficacy of the blood. I believe in the atonement of the blood, the longevity of the blood, and I believe in the pleading of the blood for me right to this very moment. I believe it. I believe it's, 
I believe it's a, a, a sin cleansing blood. I believe it's a stain, a stain removing and dissolving blood. I believe it's a shame removing blood. It's a saving blood. It's a redeeming blood. I believe that it's a ransom paying blood. I believe it's a propitiating blood. I believe it's a justifying blood. I believe it's a peace producing blood. I believe it's the everlasting covenant's blood, the new covenant. I believe in the holy blood. I believe it's God's blood. I believe it's overcoming, devil-defeating blood. I believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I haven't seen the stain offered on the ground. I have received the strength of it in my soul. I am blessed, for although I have not seen him with my naked human eye, yet I have believed through the regenerate eye of faith. In the words of Thomas Adams, he says, it is the office of faith to believe what we do not see. And it shall be the reward of faith to see what we do believe. In other words, it's a, our office of faith is that we believe God even though we don't see it. And our reward will be one day he will come again and we will see him face to face. I have not seen him, but one day I shall behold him. When he comes again, faith will give way to sight and we shall see his face. I am blessed because I am Christ's. I am blessed because I belong to him. Thomas Watson said, where reason cannot wade, their faith must swim. Where reason cannot wade, their faith must swim swim. Brother, sister, you can't work it out, start swimming. It's time to swim. Where reason cannot wade, their faith must swim. Swim, brother. Swim, sister. Swim where your reason cannot wade. So Jacob's blessing of faith upon Ephraim can be seen in our reading of Hosea 7 as his name has carried through a tribal ancestry and time. He's made it to the top. In this part here, Ephraim, the grandson, brought in to be a son of Jacob Israel through Joseph. He has now made it to the top of the tribal names of Israel. Jacob's blessing of faith that we see here not only has brought Ephraim to tribal ancestry and time, he's made it to the top. He's the head tribe of the whole northern kingdom. So the man Ephraim is dead and gone. This is his descendants, and he has the tribe Ephraim. But that name, that tribe, it becomes the main name. He takes the place of the firstborn Reuben, and hence the northern kingdom. The whole northern kingdom is called Ephraim. It's known as Ephraim. And hence, in not all times, but in many times, when you see after the, the, the splitting of the kingdom, the name Ephraim, it means the northern kingdom. Sometimes the tribe, but the northern kingdom. And you're going to see tonight that everything that happened in Ephraim is happening tonight in our own land. If you will, when you look at Hosea 7 and verse 1 again, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. 
and the wickedness of Samaria. God was about to pour out a blessing. God would bring healing. And yet, there was an uncovering of sin. The word here for healed is the word rofa. And it means to make healthy. To make healthy. I can't help but think that, and I mentioned some of this last week, I can't help but think that if, if our government, if our nation's leaders were to get back to the Bible, to get back to the Word of God, and they were to live according to God's Word, they would learn how to farm properly. They would learn not to impose things on farmers. They would learn how to farm, and they would learn how do you use commerce properly? And poverty would be done away with. It would be blessing for God would heal Israel. God would heal us. Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, the Republic of Ireland. All of these islands would be healed if only the governments would get back to the basics of the Bible and the Word of God. Instead, they throw out the word and bring everything that's ungodly into our nation. And hence we find that our nation is going to hell on a handcart. But notice here, when I would have healed, the word of all means to make healthy. To make healthy. I'm of a personal opinion that if our nation done the right thing before God, there'd be no more cancer in our land. No more tumors. No more diabetes. No more sickness. I believe that if our Lord, our, our government would turn to the Lord, uh, that the Lord would heal, not only physically, but he would repair, for the word Rafa means to repair, to restore favor, that God would favor the people instead of those who are wicked and in power. They are bringing judgment upon our land. And it means to mend. I'll give you an example. We don't need to turn to it. But in 1 Kings 18 and verse 30, you remember there was Elijah. Remember Elijah is a prophet to the northern kingdom. And Elijah, uh, and there was 450 prophets of Baal. All these mystery Babylon religion prophets were there. And hence there was one prophet of the Lord and there's 450 prophets of Baal. And this says, let's build an altar unto our gods. And the God who answers by far, by far, he is the Lord. He's God. And hence the prophets of Baal, they get up on their altars and they jump and shout and kick and scream and cut themselves. And they bloodlet to see if their God, so-called, the, who's the devil, would answer to the cutting of their blood. But he didn't. Because he's not God. Because he's not God. And Elijah takes 12 stones and he builds up the altar. And the word here is that Elijah repaired the altar. It's the same word, rafal. It means Elijah healed the altar. The altar of the Lord in Israel, the northern kingdom, was sick. The place where blood was to be shed, where offering was to be made, and where God was to come down was sick. In other words, the leading government power who was Jezebel and Ahab. The government power had allowed everything to come into their land, all sorts of stuff to come into their nation. They were worshiping every god and sundry, and every man and his dog could bring in their gods. 
And the whole of the house of Israel was sick. Ephraim was sick. The altar, the, the, the worship system was sick. The altar was broken down, we're told. And Elijah came and started to fit it together, 12 stones, and he put the wood on and he dug a trench around and 12 barrels of water. And there he put this sacrifice on the altar. And here's the thing, 12 was for every tribe of Israel, 12 stones. He dug a trench around, poured 12, if you want, barrels of water in. That's the Holy Ghost in the land. The sign of the Holy Ghost. And there he put on also the, the sacrifice of blood. There's, this, there's the, the, the spirit of, and the water. There's the, the blood. There's the sacrifice. And the spirit of God comes in the form of a fire and says he licks up the whole lot. He just comes and he burns up the whole lot. Elijah had healed, made, made healthy. He had repaired, he had restored favor to the house of Israel through this altar. But what happened? They still wouldn't turn to God. How many revivals has been in these islands? How many revivals? Lewis, Hebrides, the Welsh revival, Ulster revival. We go on and on. Where the spirit and the word were preached. Where the Lord came down as it were in revival, fire and blessing. And he stirred up the hearts of a hundred thousand men in Ulster. And women to save them. Oh, you would think now today. If we heard that there's a hundred thousand men and women. Who have come to saving faith in Christ. We would be rejoicing. But you know what happened? Many of the evangelical so-called churches, uh, they turned and says, we don't want this in the land. The Roman Catholic Church says, uh, this is another cultish thing, get away with it. Yet God was sweeping with his fire of revival and none, none would accept it but those whom God had drawn by his spirit. Oh, how our nations have fallen short of God. How our land has become destitute of his spirit. And hence, when Elijah repaired the altar and the fire came down, none were accepting except for 7,000 who had not bowed the knee nor the head to Baal. I trust in our land tonight that we have the 7,000 who has still not bowed the knee unto Baal. Look at that which needed healing, if you will. When you go with me to Hosea, we're going to try and stay close here uh, as much as possible. Hosea chapter 4. We'll just run through a few verses here and there. Hosea chapter 4, please. And let your eye run down, if you will. To verse 16. For Israel, again this is the northern kingdom, slideth back as a backsliding heifer. This gives the idea of, of cattle coming out of a river, a muddy bank in it, and they get up so far and they slide back down. They get up so far and they slide back down. And how the blessing of God gets us up so far, but in our human depraved nature, we all just slide back down. It takes a real move of God to get us up and out of the river, brothers and sisters. What will it take to get our land out of this mess? 
Israel is like a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb and the Lord's praise. Notice Ephraim is joined to idols. Let them alone. Now God isn't saying as a, someone would say to a child, let them alone. That's not what the Lord's saying here. Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom, is joined to idols. And the word joined here is a word, kover. Kover. And this is what it gives the idea of, to tie a magic knot. To tie a magic knot or to come closely entwined together under a spell. Ephraim, the northern kingdom of Israel, have come under a spell. There's a magic knot and they have been tied tightly by it. And the Lord says, it's not, oh, sure, leave them alone. It gives the idea of it. Well, then let them stay there. Let them lie in their bed. Because Hosea is the last prophet that is sent to them before the judgment comes. Britain has tied a magic knot with forces of wickedness. Britain is under a spell tonight. A demonic spell, an evil spell, an elitist spell. They cannot help themselves nor escape. But God has sent the preacher after preacher, prophet after prophet, to speak the word to them, and they have turned it away, and now God will bring them into judgment. And the Lord says, let them alone. Just leave them as they are. Would you turn with me to chapter 5, please? Chapter 5, verse 1. Notice this. Hear ye this, O priests. That is, the, 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 it was meant to be the, the priests who were in, in Israel, but they were priests of Baal or Baal. They weren't godly priests. They weren't in Jerusalem. That was now separate from them. They, they, were, they were ungodly priests. Notice what it says. Hear ye this, O priests. There's your, uh, there's your established religion, your established church for you. Is this what you want? Is this ungodly, uncouth? This religion, this establishment that you want that that God is not pleased with in all of their ways and the things that they do and what they accept into it. Ulster, is this okay? Ulster, is this okay? What's God saying here? Hear ye this, O priests. He's speaking to the church. Is this what you want, church? And hearken, ye house of Israel, that is the government, civil authority. Is this what you people want in civil authority? Are these the laws that you're willing to accept? The laws are of, of abortion? The ungodly laws where a child now, they, they, they can be killed right up to birth? Is this what we want? 
Is this acceptable to the church? Is this acceptable in our land? The Lord's saying here, Hear ye, O priests, and hearken, O house of Israel, or government. Is this what you're bringing in? And you're throwing me out, says the Lord. Is this what you're going to do? And they've done it. And the Lord is nowhere to be found or seen among it. And give ye ear, O house of the king. Give ye ear, your majesty the queen. Give ye ear, Buckingham Palace. Give ye ear. In other words, listen to what's happening. He says, for judgment is toward you. It's frightening, isn't it? Feel it, can't you? You can feel it. God's serious. And the Spirit and His anointing is here to let you know this is serious. Church, where are we? Where are we? Is it a Sunday clock in? Where are you with God, friend? Verse 3 says, I know Ephraim and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom and Israel is defied. I know what you do behind closed doors, he says. Not only to the individual, not only to the church. I've seen recently that some other churches are now being investigated for pedophilia. So-called Protestant churches. I hope God weeds them out, every one of them. Every last one of them. I hope he weeds them out because we're going to see it will be uncovered. And if they're found guilty, you should string them up. Don't make apologies for that, by the way. Well, we from now commit us whoredom. In other words, you've worshipped other gods and you've brought other things in and you've done all manner of deeds of evil before me and Israel is defiled. The word defiled here is you've made the nation foul, unclean. That means ceremonially or morally foul and unclean and it means to be polluted. You're just like a, you're just like a cesspit. Just like a cesspit. Brothers and sisters, am I the only one when I see things on whether it's on news or social media, am I the only one who is, who is turned to the stomach by the way even the young people in our nation are carrying on and the things they do and get up to? Am I the only one? When I see what our nation has done over the last few years and destroyed the people in the economy to bring them into slavery, it turns the guts out of me. It makes me angry, righteously angry. Even the small businesses are closing in order that the multinationals can stay open and grow bigger. 
Brothers and sisters, it's a, it's a cesspit. In verse 13, please, if you look at it, it says, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb, yet could he, could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound? Notice when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah, that's a southern kingdom, he mentions them here, saw his wound. One was sick and the other was wounded. See the word saw, S-A-W. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, the two kingdoms, he says, see when they saw it. Do you know what the word saw is here? It's the Hebrew word, roha. Roha is the Hebrew word. And it's, it means to, uh, to see as though looking one upon another. It means to perceive. To perceive. It means to be given to the, the ability to have a vision. When Ephraim had a vision of themselves, in other words, they had a look in the mirror. When Judah had a look in the mirror, one was sick and the other was wounded. And where did they go? They ran to the Assyrian. The Assyrian ended up their biggest enemy. They ran to the devil. When Britain is sick, where do they run to? They run to every nation in the world. They run to every person. They run to everything, every conglomerate that might help them along in this life and this world, except they run to the Lord. And the word raw to perceive or to have a vision, the, 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 the corresponding Greek word from the Septuagint is the word horeo. It means saw. Saw is raw. Saw is also horeo. And it means to look one upon another. To look one upon another. In other words, in the, in the northern kingdom of Israel, they started to look and see. It's like they have social media and they could see the, the depravity. They could see the things that's happening. There were cameras inside Westminster. Cameras in the oil. And what they're placing upon the people and they're able to see one upon another. And some had a vision. Some were able to see to say, this is wrong. This is against God and his word. And yet, society gathered momentum where that which was evil became good. And that which was good became evil. The word ra'a for saw and the word horneo for saw in the Greek the Latin word corresponding for it. You know what it is? Fideo. Do you know what that is? It's the English word for video. Video. Now, in my day, I used to get a VHS or the Betamax, if you were, you know, when you stuck it in the video. The younger ones wouldn't understand that today. But it's like showing them a movie of themselves. God sent the prophets. God sent Elijah, God sent Elisha, God sent the Amos, God sends Hosea, and he sends them to the northern kingdom, and they're prophesying to the government. They're prophesying to the monarchy. He's prophesying to the establishment. He's prophesying to the ungodly churchmen, if you want. And as he's prophesying, he's telling them to repent. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. We all know it off by heart. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. 
That's why he's saying it to the northern kingdom. Prepare to meet thy God. He says, everything's happening. Read it. Everything's happening to all the nations around about. Well, sure we're all right because, look, we're the United Kingdom, sure, and we're in the fifth biggest economy in the world, and nothing like this would ever happen to me. It never happened to us. And the Lord says, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Be prepared, Britain. Be prepared, Ireland. Be prepared, United States. Be prepared, Canada. Be prepared, Australia and New Zealand. We've even passed the law there. Whereas a baby's being born, they can cut the child up as it's being born out of the mother's womb. Alive. It's passed. And this is the company of nations, the Commonwealth, nations of Britain. Brothers and sisters, the Lord showed them the video, and this is who you are. And that the preaching of the gospel, and that the preaching of the word of God and the spirit, God shows the sinner, this is who you are. You're a sinner. This is who you are. And you're not right with me. This is who you are. You're not prepared. This is who you are. You're not ready. Should I come or call? You're not ready. It's like a video before you in your mind's eye. The night I got saved, I always said it was like a filing cabinet coming out of my head and these files being brought up and shown to my face. People helping me up off the middle of the road when I'm landing a, a stupor of drugs and couldn't get off the main roads in Belfast, falling. Coming and helping me up and there were Christians giving me tracks, sticking them in my pocket, and I forgot about them. And the Lord showed me all of this the night I got saved. It was like one after the other, after the other. People I forgot about showed me the video, as it were, in my own mind's eye of myself, in my own spirit. And he says, you're a sinner, son, and you need saved. And if you're not saved tonight, you're a sinner, and you need saved. That God, the Holy Spirit, would show you your need of Christ, and that Christ alone is the only Savior. God shows them this. And they go everywhere else but to the Lord. And I trust there's none here tonight who will go anywhere else but to the Lord. For he died in Calvary that you might be saved. I must rush to round this up. In Hosea 7, if you'll turn with me please to verse 8. It says, Ephraim hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. In other words, Ephraim was half-baked. That's what it means. Ephraim was half-baked. Burnt on one side. Yeah, you, know, you know what it's like? You know, there's those, and they're even, they're, 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 they profess Christ even, in the, uh, and they, they show the good side, you know, and the burnt bits underneath. For a while when we were first married, Alison used to put the burnt end of the spot onto the plate and leave the good side up. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> and she fooled me until I cut into it and put it in my mouth. It was burnt. She said, oh, you'll not say that. And that's what, and the, the nation is, look how prosperous we are. See, the, the, the northern kingdom of Israel here, they were in their heyday of prosperity. And because they were so prosperous, well, they don't need God. They don't need religion. They don't need faith. They don't need to hear these things. They don't want the gospel. Neither do they like it. We're prosperous. 
We don't need anything. Self-sufficient in all our ways. And sure, well, aren't we the democratic, loveliest people in the world? Are you? Listen, brothers and sisters. Listen. Whenever I think of these things, and I think of whatever nation it is who can shut their people down and destroy their economy and keep them at home for two years, and pour fear into them all those days, day in, day out. Fear, fear, fear. And listen, the next one's about to come. Oh, if you don't do this, more fear. Go and tell me they care for you. Go and tell me they care for you. They're being paid handsomely. Ephraim is half-baked. He says, it's height of prosperity. And the good side looks up. Well, it, it's looking good. It's looking good. It's looking good. Listen, see democracy. Democracy is just the, the best of two evils, really, you know. It's better than communism. But sometimes now, especially when I look at the United States and what's happened in our lands, democracy is a new name for communism. Democracy is a new name for communism, but it's a theonomy that we should be looking for. A theonomy is the rule, the divine law of God in the land again. A theonomy, a theos from God. In Revelation chapter 16, pardon me, chapter 3, verse 16. On verse 17, listen to what the Lord says to the last day's church. Revelation 3, the Laodicean church. Verse 16, he says, So then, because thou art lukewarm, you're half-baked. Because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The Lord said even to the end time church, you, know, you say I'm rich. Britain's prospering. I'm increased with goods. I'm in need of nothing. The Lord says, but thou knowest not. The church says that. We own all these buildings, the professed, uh, if you want, the settled church, if you want, the, the state church. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and need of nothing, but I say unto thee that thou art wretched. Jesus says this, not me. This is Jesus. Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. He says, I want you to come to me. So brothers and sisters, in Hosea 1 and 7, when I would have healed Israel, the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. The perversity was discovered, it means. The depravity was discovered. And the word discovered, I'll look at this and we'll close. It's the word galah for discovered. Galah. It means to uncover, to show oneself, to be revealed, to show your nakedness. The Lord says, when I would have healed Ephraim, their iniquity, their perversity, their depravity, 
was uncovered. It's not that God didn't know it and God didn't see it, but God has shown his justification for what he's about to do in judgment. God is justified in all his ways. Do you know that? And what he'll do, and this is what he says, look, I was going to heal you. Here's the blessing. But there's all your sin. Now you're turned away from me. Now you've thrown me out. Now you don't want me anymore. I'm speaking to even a person like that. I don't want you in my life, Lord. I don't want you in my life, God. And God says, I'm wanting to heal you. I'm wanting to save you. But there you're going, I don't need you. This is what he's saying here. He says, I was going to heal Israel. But the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. It was revealed. It's, in other words, it gives the idea of ripping back a curtain to show out the window. It gives the idea of ripping off a garment to show someone naked underneath. And that which is hidden is made manifest. Listen, listen to what it says. I, I, I want to rush on this because I'm closing. Isaiah 40 and 5, For the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. It's the same word for discovered. God law. For the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Speaking of the coming of Christ. In other words, when Christ comes, he's going to, the skies will roll back like a scroll. The skies will be filled with myriads of myriads of angels. It will be as though it's, the skies have been made naked by the pulling away of a curtain, and there are the heavens with Christ in them. Listen to what it says, the Lord Jesus says in Luke 12 and 2, For there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. And the word revealed is the word apocalypto, and the coming of Christ, a revelation Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. The revelation is the same word. It was slightly different. Apocalypsis. It simply means the unveiling. And the Lord says, I was going to heal Israel, but here's the unveiling. This is why judgment is coming to the land. I was going to heal Britain. Look at all the things that are done for him. You just had the word of God. You had it printed in your own mother tongue. You were under covenant to me. You had everything that a nation needed. I blessed you. I blessed you with this, that, and the other. The, well, that's what is in the deep and that which is in the land. I'll bless you in your farming. and I'll bless you in societies. I'll bless you with cities. I'll bless you with it all, but you've turned from me. He says, and I, when I look, here's your nakedness. And there's all the sin. Ephraim. There's all your sin. When I look at this, this is why I'm judging you. And when someone in that day that they stand before God and they're not saved and they stand before the, the great white throne judgment, and they try to plead their case because, well, you know, I was good. I tried. I went to church here. I was at that meeting with CET one time and, you know, I, one guy up there thought he was a wee bit off the wall and crazy, but, you know, he, everything, I listened to it and I listened well, but try to justify yourself, but God being justified in all his ways, he uncovers all of our past and he uncovers all of the sin that's not washed under the blood. And he says, here you are, shows you, as it were, the video of yourself written in the books of life. And there he says, you are guilty. You're guilty. 
You're a guilty man and you're a guilty woman. You're a guilty sinner. And hence you must be punished. In Hosea 1, 7 and 1 he says, The thief cometh and the troop of robbers spoileth without. Hmm. I've got too much material there. The thief cometh. Listen, Hosea 1, verse 7. Do you think in John chapter 10 and verse 10 the Lord Jesus is just picking words out for the sake of picking words out? John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Lord Jesus isn't just plucking words out for the sake of it and giving little analogies to to let you think something about a thief. He says, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill and to destroy. The Lord Jesus is the one who's speaking through the prophets here. He's the one God of Israel become flesh and the king. He's speaking through the prophets here. The thief is coming. The thief is here. And Jesus comes along in the flesh, the same one, and he says now to the remnant of Judah who are left behind there, and he says, the thief is coming. He's even at your door. The thief, the devil, he's at your door. What are you going to do? What if he's at your door tonight? What if the devil comes to you tonight? What if it's time and God calls time on you and the devil says, I'll take them. He's at your door. Are you right with God? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So I finish with this thought. I told you this before, in case you haven't heard it, though, someone's maybe not. I was preaching in open air 20-something years ago in Corn Market in Belfast. There used to be a bandstand there. There was a water we found in there before. And in Corn Market, where all the streets go off and they put a bandstand there, and I'm preaching one night at the band, one day in the bandstand, and the place is packed. No one was taking notice. No matter how loud we turned up the, the loudspeaker, nobody was even taking notice. And I says, Lord, help us. What will we do? And this is what came to my mind. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, to destroy. I went preaching that text. My turn to get up. I got up to the mic and I was on a stand. And I went, stop thief! Stop thief! People started to stop. Stop that thief! Stop thief! Stop thief! You see, that's what I was doing. Stop thief! And they all stopped. The whole lot of them stopped. And all looking one upon another. Who's the thief? Was it some wee old dear's handbag somebody's taken? Did someone go and hit some poor old man somewhere? Did they steal something out of one of the shops and they're chasing them through the crowd? And I just kept shouting, stop thief! Stop thief! Stop thief! And they all stopped and they all looking among themselves. Eventually they turned to the man at the mic and they went, what thief? What is he talking about? Who is it? They went, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Christ said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Well, if the thief is at your door, stop thief. Oh, you'd stop the thief, all right. You'd chase him down the street if it was a wee woman's handbag, wouldn't you? Or maybe you were the thief. And the Lord's chasing you down in his grace to save you. 
God bless us tonight. God bless his word. I had far too much material to sit and write. And it took me, I wrote for two days and I thought, if I preach the rest of this, you'll be, you'll be in half your tea on the way home and I'll still be preaching it. I'll just wrap it up with that. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.